A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hi, I'm Helen. And I'm Sarah. And you're listening to the Squiggly Careers Podcast, a weekly podcast where we talk about the ins, outs, ups and downs of work and give you some ideas for action, some tools to try out and hopefully just a little bit of squiggly career support for whatever you might be going through at the moment. And if it's the first time that you've listened to the podcast, it's worth knowing that we create lots of things to make learning last. So as well as this episode, you can also download our pod sheet, which is a one page summary. Lots of people use it to reflect on what they've listened to and also people use it to talk about this in their teams as well so that's on our website amazingif.com you can also join us for pod plus which is a free 30 minute session that we hold most thursdays as many as we can do it's at nine o'clock it's on zoom and there's a lovely community of listeners and learners who contribute their own perspectives on the focus of the episode and we are recording this in the same room together today. It is also a glass meeting room. I, mean, I feel like lots of people, lots are, of people are watching us. <laughs> so if we sound a slightly echoey, it's because of all the glass. There is a lot of glass. But also we have got people staring at us from all directions. Um, so, you know, we're just going to ignore that. We're just going to go with the flow. And go with the flow. <laughs> so hopefully it will, if, if at times we get a bit distracted, it's probably because someone's just staring at us, which is exactly what's just happened. And I think what will probably happen is, you know that thing in meeting rooms where someone thinks they've got it booked can you imagine if that happens midway yeah. through this and that, and they have that passive aggressive thing where they stand outside yeah, until you're like you. no it's my room and they're it's like they obviously room. think it's my room and you're like well i'm just going to keep recording a podcast so <laughs> at least we like i've got we've got our microphones with us so we look sort of broadly professional maybe <laughs> maybe that's a trick if you want to like own a meeting room just take a microphone with you and look yeah. confident <laughs> yeah, yeah so today we are talking about how to let go of work guilt and we know this is on lots of your minds because we did a quick poll on Instagram and 26% of you said you feel guilt all of the time. 32% of you said most weeks. 32% said occasionally and 10% said never. And we were like, oh, who's the 10%? You can't help but think, who never feels guilt ever? But great, I guess if you don't. Freeing. Yeah, maybe. They will come on to there's There's some usefulness in all emotion is what I've discovered. We also asked you for the reasons, which we promised to keep anonymous because I think this, this is, you know, this is quite a personal thing. So we were like, well, like, why are you feel, feeling guilty? Like, what are you feeling guilty about? And we'll come on to share some of our examples. But there were three themes I think kept coming up in people's responses. One about not doing enough. So, you know, sort of like not learning enough, not working enough, not being there enough, just lots of not enoughs. And I, I almost linked to that one around confidence, which was interesting. I don't think I sort of combined gremlins and guilt, but I think you start to see those coming together. So people talking about not being good enough, almost feeling guilty for things like making mistakes or failing. And I think there was, I was like, oh, we're getting into gremlins territory here, which was interesting. And then quite a lot, which is probably what I'd anticipated about not protecting boundaries. So you know that whole, 
I feel guilty about not being at home when I need to be. And then when I'm at home, I feel guilty about not working more. I feel guilty about not exercising enough. Quite a lot work-life fit, as we would describe it, or work-life balance themes coming through as well. So what's quite interesting when you get into guilt as an emotion is it's sometimes described as like the most useless emotion. And I was like, oh, that's that's quite an emotive word. It's quite a dramatic word. It's useless. So today, obviously, one of our values at Amazing If is useful, which I feel like is the exact opposite of that. So I was like, oh, how can guilt be useful? And what's interesting is that guilt tends to be less intense than lots of our other emotions. So I guess if you think about anger, you know, it's really intense. It's really in the moment. And guilt's almost like a lower key emotion, but then that can make it more problematic because it's frequent. So we sort of, you know, as we described in the Instagram poll, people are feeling quite a lot of guilt quite often. It's it's common and it sticks around. So that then means that guilt ends up sort of circling in our heads and then it creates loads of problems. So it leads to stress, lack of sleep, makes it hard to relax. It's Guilt steals stuff from us. I think it steals our energy and it steals our self-belief. And I do always really remember when I interviewed Dr. Bill Mitchell on resilience and he said like the number one thing that gets in the way of our resilience is guilt. So I was like, it's actually interesting. We've not thought to do the topic before. I was like, oh, we're only thinking about this now, two years later. (laughs) Guilt is a bit like toothache. You know, like it's quite Mm. a constant, it's just, it's distracting. Yeah, nausea, like, or like an earache. And, you know, it stops you sleeping. Like you, you go to sleep and then you wake up and you're like, oh, I still got toothache. And maybe you feel quite helpless. Is it, you know, one of those emotions where you're like, because it's probably not as immediate, perhaps it's, and it's more low level. Do you just get used to it? And then do you just sort of feel like, oh, there's there's not really anything I can do. You get quite Mm. accepting of it. But I think we're going to talk about maybe that it doesn't have to be that way. So I was doing a bit of research into the the not so lovely world of guilt. And there are four different types of guilt. And I was trying to think about how these four different types relate to how it might show up at work. So the obvious one is something called natural guilt. So this is you feel bad because you've done something wrong, basically. And whether that is perceived wrong by other people or not it's kind of how you feel about this so you think you know you've you've missed a deadline or I've made a commitment to Sarah that I've not kept or maybe I feel guilty because I said something in a situation because I was just responding in the moment and actually now I'm thinking about it I wish I hadn't said this at all but that kind of natural guilt I think that probably reflects quite a lot of what the feedback that we were getting about what guilt looks like for people at the moment but there are three other types of guilt which are kind of interesting number two is chronic guilt so this is where you basically almost can't get away from the guilt and it is often as a result of prolonged exposure to stress so I was trying to think about have I ever had chronic guilt and I think I have had this prolonged exposure to stress when I came back from maternity leave for the first time I was working at Virgin and it was quite a stressful situation we were launching a new business I don't think they were trying to overtly put me in a position of stress but I felt a responsibility to that role and the team and I cared about it a lot so there was a lot of sort of stresses at work there were stresses for me outside of work I was a first-time parent I was making decisions about childcare that I wasn't that confident in like is it okay to leave a little baby and is it okay to miss a bedtime all this kind of stuff that I hadn't quite maybe accepted some things yet and I'd also started to study and I think I was thinking oh I'm not a very good student and so there was quite a lot of stressors that had been around for quite a long time. And I think my guilt was showing up with me constantly saying sorry. 
I didn't even realise it, but I was basically saying sorry to everybody all of the time. I'm sorry I'm late. I'm sorry I've not done that yet. I'm sorry I haven't prioritised that particular meeting. I'm sorry I can't come to that thing after work. And it was when someone called it out that I realised it was happening. But I think if you are in a situation where you've got that prolonged exposure to stress, then it might be going from natural guilt to chronic guilt. Could be interesting to think about. Third one is collective guilt. So this is where a group feels shared responsibility for an issue. This is big, this collective guilt one, when I was looking at it. The research says it's often embedded in sort of systemic issues. So for example, white privilege, like a group thinking, gosh, this is not right and it hasn't been right for a long time and I'm part of the problem. That kind of real sense of, I didn't even know I was contributing to this and now I've become aware of it. I feel really bad about it. So that's sort of that collective guilt that a whole group could feel. And then there's one called survivor guilt, which is where you have these conflicting emotional states. So you might be happy that something has happened to you, but then you might feel bad that somebody else has experienced something very different. So redundancy would be one of these. Let's imagine you've gone through like a consultation process at work. Your company's going through a restructure. Everybody's role was at risk, but you've retained your role and maybe a close friend or a colleague has lost theirs. That kind of desire to be happy, but a feeling of guilt because someone else is not. It can be quite a difficult type of emotion to feel. So I just thought it was quite interesting to, I think the natural one comes to mind quite easily, but then when you start to think about those other ones, I think, well, have have I ever had that kind of a guilt? Or is the guilt that I'm experiencing right now perhaps one of those? And so just to get you started, I mean, I think intuitively everyone listening will have some sense of what you feel guilty about. But there are sort of two routes into thinking about this that I think just might unlock your insights around your own guilt and then what you might do about it. One are your shoulds, because I think shoulds are often imply a guilt. You know, I should be doing these things and you feel guilty that you are doing them. So it's sort of the, the fact that those things are missing is what you're guilty about. So what are your shoulds? So there's a what question. And then I think there's a when question, like, can you pinpoint specific situations when you feel guilty? And I got to some different answers actually from those two things, which I think is interesting because then you can figure out which one of these feels more important or more pressing because one of them felt to me more like it mattered. So should we do our shoulds first, Helen? So I got to, my shoulds were, I should have done more exercise this week. I think I think that every single week. I should be spending more time reading books with my six-year-old. That's so specific. Yeah, (laughs) I don't know. That's what that was just that was I don't know that's in my head. I should have responded to those emails sooner. I, I think I always think about emails that I'm always like oh I've not responded and I feel guilty that I've not gone. I can think of one right now where people have asked me for some recommendations on procrastination and it is I'm feeling really guilty that I've not gone back to them. It's not to be clear I'm not procrastinating about doing it. I've just not done it. It's quite interesting hearing your shoulds actually because. I think there's two parts of this. There's there's one which we'll dive into, which is like how you manage that within yourself, like how you feel about things that you might not have done the way that you wanted to do. That's a kind of personal thing. But also as a person who can support you, it's quite useful for me to know that they're the top three things that you feel like you should be doing that you're not because I think, oh, how can I enable it? So I actually think sharing your shoulds is quite mm. useful. My shoulds, the first two are in complete conflict with each other. So first, I should have finished everything I had on my list. Like I end most days feeling like that. The second one is the conflict. I should have spent more time on the new rather than just the to-do. So there's like part of me that's just trying to get everything done. And another part of me that's like, oh, but I want to do new stuff. So those two are in complete conflict, which is some endless cycle of guilt and then the other one's actually quite similar to Sarah I should have got home on time or I should have done some exercise that feeling I think that's the boundaries bit that I don't feel like I protect very well 
do your whens then keep going with your whens so when do you feel most guilt i've got three so when i have avoided a difficult conversation like i feel like oh it would have been so much better to just have that discussion so mm-hmm. i often feel guilty that i didn't have that conversation i feel guilty when i'm making either or choices so i feel at the moment this particular stage in my life a lot is very either or so i either go to that event after work or I get home for my children's bedtime. I either do that email or I work on that presentation and I often feel guilty for the the one that the I don't one that choose. Misses, the one that misses yeah, out because yeah, I yeah. want to try and do everything. And I feel guilty when I'm a bottleneck. So when my lack of action holds back somebody else, they are kind of three things that I feel quite frequently. My wins were, were quite different. When I'm ill, because I feel like it puts pressure on other people. And actually somebody else on Instagram said the same thing. Mm. You know, that kind of, that yeah, that guilt about being ill or sick generally. That was like the first one that sprung to mind for me. And then when I miss something that matters to me and other people. So, you know, when you've got something where, probably like you're either or, I guess, where I'm like, probably I'm making the choice that I have to, but I'm missing something that I'm like, oh, but I think it's important that I'm somewhere else, but I sort of can't, can't change it mm. which of those did you find more helpful out of interest do you find them both helpful or do you find the shoulds more helpful than the whens or i found the when do i feel more guilty a bit more insightful same yeah yeah i think the shoulds are good to sort of get you started but i think it's the whens where i was like these are the ones i actually really want to do something about i felt more personal i felt like the shoulds were a bit generic when i came up with them but those are the ones and when you look at yours and my answers they are very individual yeah and so I was reading one of the HBR articles that we're linked to for today and about guilt. And it asked a really good question, which was, does it help? And I was <laughs> like, oh, I like how binary and black and white that is. Often we're like, oh, you should ask open questions. But essentially, the reason that it's useful is it starts to get you to your level of control. And one of the ideas for action we're going to talk about today is around control. So almost sometimes it's like, well, does it help to feel guilty? There are actually times where the answer to that is yes. Like when you read lots of the research around guilt, guilt can be a really useful prompt for motivation and momentum because we actually go, so Helen's point on bottlenecking, we go, well, actually, there's there's something you can you can do. We can do something about that. Like you and I can do something about that. As a team, we can do something about that. And so actually it propels you. It propels you to positive progress. Or sometimes does it help? The answer is like, well, no you are beating yourself up about something where you're like, I can't change that thing. My level of control is quite low. So we are going to go into lots of ideas for action now, but I do think just that sort of almost that quite harsh question of like, does it help? Can it help you with that motivation and kind of momentum? Or are you going to need to make an active choice to sort of let go of that guilt so that actually you move away from, you know, where we started like that helpless. If we just go, oh, we're just helpless, it just continues. So I think we sort of want to figure out like what will be helpful now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So we've got three ideas for action to take if guilt is getting in your way. So action number one is to swap your story about when kind of guilt happens in your head, what it makes you think, because actually your thoughts around your guilt can either hold you back, get you stuck in a situation or help you to move forward, help you to take action. It's the kind of, you know, does it help you thing? And your thoughts will be the kind of enabler of the action. So we've got some swaps that might be useful for you to think about. So the first one is moving from guilt to gratitude. So this could sound like originally you might say to yourself, oh, I feel really bad that I've not done more prep for tomorrow's podcast that I'm recording with Sarah. And that's kind of the, the, the voice of my guilt in my you head. You actually did do a lot of prep for this one, so. Oh, yeah. yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> I, did, I, I, did, I was stuck at an airport. <laughs> <laughs> I know you were. I was stuck at an airport like reading about guilt. You were stuck about an airport and I was like, and then you told me you were feeling guilty about something and I was like, use it, use it for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. I can't even remember what I was feeling guilty no, I can't. about now. <laughs> but, but I was yeah. just like, put it in the podcast notes the supportive business partner I have yeah use your guilt to help other people but yeah so you might you know it might sound like I feel bad dot 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 the swap you can make the guilt to gratitude here is one thing I feel good about is so for example you know me in the boat I might be like oh I feel bad that I'm kind of not at work helping Sarah with something because I went away for the weekend which is true one thing I feel good about is that I am refreshed and I have a bit more perspective and I always get that when I've had a break and suddenly you stop feeling guilty about taking time out and I start feeling about positive about the contribution I can make as a result of it another one another swap you might make is from what you've done wrong so that kind of idea that you've sort of made a mistake to what you've done right so this might sound like I might be like oh I shouldn't have been so difficult with Sarah about my view on that particular project we wanted to move forward that is true no I'm joking <laughs> so I might be feeling you know guilty that I said something I didn't mean to or I said it in a way that wasn't helpful a swap could be okay well one strength that I brought to that situation was I was very clear about how this action could connect to our purpose of our business or something like that but kind of moving from the shoulds about that situation to the strength you've brought to it instead another one for you from something that didn't work well to what you'd do differently next time so this is sort of more towards like the learning you can take from something originally that might sound a bit like I really wish I'd double checked my data before I presented it to the team so maybe you were doing a presentation and went a bit wrong that was the mistake you feel like you've made the swap really simple one thing I've learned from today is get someone to double check my work before I present it or um, you know do it with somebody else so that if I forget something they can kind of pick it up for me in that moment so kind of bank the learning and the last one again there are probably more froms and twos but these are just the ones that we wrote down from sorry to thank you I think this is a very simple swap so sounds like like what I did in that situation earlier oh sorry I'm late sorry I couldn't make the meeting sorry I didn't get it done in time all that kind of stuff swap it to 
thanks so much for your patience on this project. I've been juggling quite a few balls over the last week. Or thanks so much for moving that deadline back a bit to give me a bit more time to contribute to the conversation. Whatever it is, but swapping sorry for thank you is often a more a way you can feel more confident. And I think it comes across as confident to other people too. So I think it is just worth reflecting before you move to action how loud is the internal guilt chatter in your brain. So this refers back to Ethan Cross's work and I still think his is one of the kind of best books on self-talk and the stories that we tell ourselves if if, if you feel like that is a challenge for you because I think if you don't swap your stories, like the story that you tell yourself about you, if you try to just take the actions with sort of without doing the reframe of like the story that like how you see yourself moving from like guilt to gratitude, what you've done wrong to what you do right. It's actually really hard for these actions to stick because if you're constantly sort of telling yourself that you're not good enough, I'm not learning enough, I'm not getting the balance right. I feel like the actions are kind of really hard. So maybe you actually feel like, oh, the chat is not my challenge my challenge is practically what I do. So maybe you're kind of quite good at that already. You sort of, you've already quietened the unhelpful chatter. But if you feel like your chatter is really loud, that's definitely the place to start. And there is loads of articles where almost everything that you read about guilt is pretty much about that. They don't even go beyond the sort of reframing the story. Obviously we have, because I was like, well, that's not enough. So action two is circles of control, influence and concern. This might be a model that you've come across before. And I think it's really useful to apply this model specifically to guilt so first of all the first step I would say here is list everything that you feel guilty about or maybe there's just one big thing and you need to sort of break it down a little bit which you'll probably get to from those questions that we asked yeah I think so the shoulds and the whens and then you've got to decide which category control influence or concern they belong in so obviously control is where you sort of go I actually feel like I do have a really high level of control I could take an action I could do something differently I maybe not for whatever reason but I do feel like I've got a high level of control influence might be well there might be other people involved so I might need to have a conversation I might need support from someone else I might be able to share what I'm thinking I might not be able to solve it all myself so I sort of might have the control but I sort of might need to solve together so for example Helen with her bottlenecking example she might go oh, I've got 100% control over it or she might think oh, well, actually, some of the things around bottlenecking, that's only going to get solved with some support from Sarah. So it might there might be some that go in control, some that go in influence. And concern is where you are basically feeling guilty about stuff that you, you cannot control and you can't influence. So you've got to learn to let go. So you sort of have a different response to the guilt depending on which category it falls into. So a few examples here. So one thing you can control, let's say you've missed a deadline. Now, I'm sure you could argue all of these. You could be like, well, I've missed a deadline because Helen added in more work. So basically, it's her fault I've missed a deadline. But fundamentally, let's say I'm like, right, I, I, I had a say-do gap. I said I was going to deliver it by Friday. We're doing something actually this week for Friday. We didn't do it. Like, we missed that deadline. I think then when you've got high control, you then go, you've got high control about your action. So in that example, I think you apologise. You don't over-explain. I think avoid it. Apologise, don't over-explain and recommit to a new date. So let's say Helen and I miss this Friday's deadline. We go to that person and we say, we're sorry, like, we know we were going to get this to you today. We've fallen behind, like, you know, apologies. We, we know that will kind of impact dot, dot, dot. So you know it has a knock-on impact. However, we've managed to clear some extra time on Monday morning, so we will get it to you by Monday midday. 
and you sort of you don't need to make it long or over apologetic those sorts of things but you know you're, you're sort of acknowledging it and then I think it helps you to just let go of the guilt you let go of the guilt and you get on with fixing the guilt essentially influence something like work-life fit I think often setting and communicating your own boundaries I get other people are involved in those boundaries and you know where you work and who you work for definitely has an impact but you might say something like my commitment is to be home for more bedtimes than I'm not for example if you've got kids so like that would apply for both Helen and I less of an issue for me because I don't like going out (laughs) but um, maybe more for Helen who's a lot more sociable so you might have this thing of like I'm going to be home for more bedtimes than I'm not in a week and then actually there's no point Helen just sort of saying that to herself she probably also needs to share that with our team she perhaps needs like an accountability partner she probably also needs to talk to her partner at home and other people in her life so she's got you know relatively high influence over that she's also got to let go of any guilt to saying no I saw that come up in Instagram a few times you know like so events are going to come Helen's way that she probably wants to say yes to let's face it (laughs) so she's got to let go of the guilt of saying no to that and she's also got to let go of the guilt of probably sometimes saying to her kids well I'm not going to be home tonight because I'm doing something else I mean, this is like a live thing going yeah. on right now. In, in like the 24 hours that I'm experiencing, I've had the guilt from my daughter this morning oh, and yeah. I've also got to say no to something that I want to say yes to. But like, uh, it's, it's live. Yeah, <laughs> so it, doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't worry me. If all the introverts out there, you're like, yeah, it's nothing. Uh, and then concern, me getting ill, I think is a good example here. And this is actually something I've worked really hard on is because I can't control getting ill, but it's actually probably the thing I feel most guilty for. So it's my biggest sort of guilt challenge I guess or my biggest guilt trap and what I have found is that learning to sort of let go of that guilt I think first of all you know we talked about sharing your shoulds or sharing your whens actually just sharing it out loud with other people it feels like quite a vulnerable brave thing to do but then it helps you I think to believe that other people are on your side and they're not judging you so you can't help but think because I get ill perhaps a little bit more than average because sometimes I have migraines and I always think oh god This is like a nightmare for Helen. She's having to like cover loads of stuff. It's creating loads of problems. So I sort of, I'm both ill and then feeling guilty for being ill. But actually once I started to share with Helen, that was how I was feeling. She was just like, you do realise I don't ever think that. And you sort of go, well, I do, you sort of objectively know that, but you know, like emotionally, that's not how you feel in those moments. But I think just by sort of, I feel like I've chipped away at it. I don't think you suddenly let go of all of the guilt, but I, I have chipped away at going, when I am not well, it is okay. Everything's going to be there in two days' time. And I actually had a client say to me, a lovely client, who I'd, I'd had a really bad sickness bug that my two-year-old niece had given me. And it was horrendous. And I was talking to a client two days later when I was back at work. And I was like, oh, you know, I've been a bit tricky two days and I felt quite guilty about being off the two days. Been quite ill. And she said to me, oh, yeah, so like, well, how long have you been off for? I was like, yeah, like two days. She was like, two days? And I was like, yeah, I know feeling really guilty about these two days she's like Sarah it was two days and I'd I'd really built up this like guilt in my head and also I think it was like a separate sort of guilt because it wasn't a migraine like the migraine guilt I think I've worked quite hard to let go of this was different I was like oh this is sickness guilt (laughs) so I'm like separating my guilt out because I think I just always feel really bad and you just know it puts pressure on I think in a small company it feels very different to being in a big company when you're not very well and so you know that's also a good example of where other people's perspectives I think can really help you let go of guilt. Like just that one conversation for me 
changed how I felt about that week and I was like oh do you know what it is okay and I can I can let go of that I feel like I can see that from both sides more than I could have done six months ago so the the side that I can see is the Sarah don't worry about it, it's fine because of like the people helping people thing mm-hmm. like if you're poorly you give me an opportunity to help and people like helping people so yeah. I, I quite like not only quite like you being poorly yeah. no I but I like being like right we've got to sort this for Sarah like we've got to give Sarah some space and I quite like the team galvanizing together yeah. and you know like I, I yeah. like so I you definitely shouldn't feel bad but and I probably would have sort of not dismissed you feeling bad before but when I was off in August because I had an operation I actually had the same sort of feeling of oh I feel really bad that I'm not me being out of the business which was really for almost a month and how much work the team are having to put in to cover for me so I can I can understand the guilt that you feel but I also like, did you like being helpful when I was off? Did it did it make you feel useful? Yeah, I did actually. Not just probably for you, probably you got also rid of me for a month. Yeah, I mean, we did quite different sorts of work, didn't we, in August? And I still felt like you were around. I also quite liked helping people out who'd gone on holiday. Like, we have lots of our team go on holiday in August because lots of people have got small kids, and I was working at that time. And so, you know, people feel guilty for going on holiday. Mm. I quite enjoyed it. I'm like, oh, I get to like meddle in other people's work. But that's how you should remember. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think being able, the things that people might feel guilty about, if you can't really understand it, you know, I'm like, oh, Sarah just did. Because I don't think me saying to it, saying to you, oh, Sarah just get over feeling guilty doesn't really help. But so kind of, I think maybe understanding where that feeling's coming from a bit more or getting closer to it is Yeah, well, it's quite interesting because you sort of start to get to, don't you, sort of the... Are there upsides for other people when you might be feeling guilty? So, you know, even like with the whole, lots of people talk about the work-life fit thing. And sometimes I will I will feel guilty that I'm going off to exercise rather than choosing to spend that hour with my six-year-old. But then I just sort of go, oh, but that, if you looked at it, it what's the upside? If I was trying to find an upside, I'd be like, okay, well, I've just given my six-year-old 45 minutes of playing computer games with my partner. I cannot provide him with the joy that that provides. <laughs> but you know, and you're like, there is usually, so, and, and he is helping me, like my partner is also helping me and he's very happy to do that. He's probably doing something that I can't do. I wonder if there is sometimes a sort of a glimmer of upside, upside in others. your guilt of yeah. upside for others. Like might if I just feel help guilty you. about making a mistake, does it give someone in our team an opportunity to help me find a better solution yeah. that would make them feel like really good that they Does it mean it? that someone else is not going to make the same mistake because yeah. you've shared it? Yeah. You know, sort of like I do wonder whether there's, there's something in that, like you say, that just helps you to feel better about it because I think we do sort of feel like guilt is this sort of nagging underlying bad thing yeah so the final action is actually a set of actions because that's how that's normally how we do we try to squeeze in as much as possible so this is sort of three small actions you can take to let go of the different types of guilt that we identified at the start so this is the to-do list guilt one to begin with which is like the you know i've not i've not done enough this is one i get all the time so a couple of small actions here that might be helpful if this is a guilt that kind of you know, you feel quite often at work. So first one, tick off the most important task, the thing that mattered the most today to you, because actually if it's the thing that mattered most to you, then you can probably let go of some of the other stuff that was a bit less important and you'll still feel good that you got that thing done. So kind of start with what matters most. Second thing here is what's one thing you achieved that you didn't anticipate? So I think the problem sometimes with just ticking off a to-do list is you don't appreciate the things that you've done in that day that were never on the list to begin with. You know, the the random call or message you get from somebody that says, oh, can you just um, come to this meeting for me? Or could you just Mm. help me out with this report? Um, And because it wasn't on the list that you didn't tick it off, you might not really appreciate you've you've done that. I think that's such a good one. 
Like what's what's one what's one thing you have ticked off that you, that wasn't on the list? You know, like giving yourself credit mm. for everything. It's like that's I think credit is an offset to guilt, but I bet hardly anyone ever does that. And third small thing on the if you get to do list guilt is who is one person that you've helped today? Again, a lot of that list can sometimes feel quite tactical and transactional, where actually if you've helped somebody, that's a very nice thing for you to do that you should kind of appreciate that you have done that for somebody. So who have you helped today is a good question to ask yourself if you are suffering from a bit of to-do list guilt. And then the second area is on boundary guilt. So three small actions on boundary guilt. Firstly, set and share boundaries. Really small things. I, th- I don't think this is like how I'm going to be boundaried in all of my life. I think it sounds more like on a Thursday lunchtime, I'm going to an exercise class because I promise that I'm going to myself, that I'm going to do one thing a week that is just for me. And you just share that with everyone else. So really simple, really straightforward. Ask people for support to stick to them. So you might say, I'm going to block out my diary. And if it's okay, can we avoid meetings then? So you're sort of almost getting that kind of joint commitment. And then finally, signal issues quickly. So let's say those boundaries are being broken consistently. You might then say to, I might say to Helen, well, do you remember I said to you about the exercise class? The last two weeks, actually, I've missed it because of last minute requests. So I'm really open to looking at maybe doing this differently or is there a way that we can avoid it in the future? And it might be that someone's just forgotten or it might be that they're giving you a last minute request that can totally wait until after your exercise class. And actually, you sometimes just need to remind people like, oh, I'm just off to do that thing now. Is it okay if I kind of sort this when I'm back? So sometimes it can also be about having the confidence to sort of keep recommitting to that boundary. And the final one is missed deadline guilt. So that feeling like, oh, I should have got it done and that moment has passed. So first action here, flag it fast. Don't hope people won't notice because that's going to, you're going to be worried and feeling guilty at the same time. That's like double the bad emotion you don't need. So flag it fast if you think you're going to miss that deadline or if you definitely have. Two, back to what Sarah said earlier, acknowledge, but don't feel like you always have to apologise. So I might say to Sarah, really sorry that I missed that date. Here's what I'm going to do. And the third thing is let people know what's next and keep them updated as you go. You probably, if you've missed a deadline, I think what is really helpful is to sort of over communicate how you are responding to it. So I might say to Sarah, oh, I'm really sorry I missed that thing on Friday. This is my plan. And at the end of Monday, I might give her an update on how it's going. So I kind of need to rebuild a bit of that confidence. But I would put your attention into action rather than the apologizing so hopefully that has been helpful for you we've covered quite a lot today we will put it all on the pod sheet so you've got all those summaries and we're back with another episode for you next week so thanks so much for listening and bye for now bye everyone small details are big surfaces Tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.